good shepherd, we ask that you would open your mouth to us, that we would hear your voice. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock, our redeemer, our good shepherd. Amen. Good morning. So I don't know about you, uh, my family, uh, particularly uh, the boys in the family, we watched a lot of the NFL draft this weekend. Anybody else? A lot of the NFL draft? Thomas and I were texting back and forth. They still haven't taken a cornerback. They still haven't taken a They still haven't taken a cornerback. I think what I find so uh, interesting, so fascinating really about the draft is, is just wondering how it's all going to like it happens now, but how's it going to work? Uh, how are all of these individuals who are taken going to fit into the team later? What talents do they, do they bring? What role can they play? Uh, how will they complement the other players who are around them? Uh, every team is a collection of individuals, right? Both co- coaches and players. And the best teams are just way more than the sum of their parts, right? They are, they're not just talent and strategy, but they are also camaraderie. Uh, they are chemistry. They work well together. They enjoy being together. The church really is not altogether different. We are a collection of individuals, of course, but we are so much more than the sum of our parts. We are, at our best, when you're, we are working well together, and when we enjoy being together. Last week, we talked about the making of the church. And if you remember, we looked at the passage in Acts chapter 2 that comes right before the one that Lynn just read. Uh, and uh, we said that the church is a collection of individuals who have all uh, mutually heard the gospel the proclamation of the gospel, they've responded in repentance and they have received the promises of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. These are pieces that make up the church. And this week we're looking at the life of the church. How do the pieces work together? How do the gathered individuals work together and enjoy each other? What does it look like when the Holy Spirit starts working in them and through them? Now, I want you to have a clear idea about all of this because uh, the church at its best is one of the primary ways that God blesses his people. And summer is coming up. And my sabbatical is coming up. Just about a month away or so. Um, And... I, you know, I, I hope you won't think it arrogant of me, but I, I have heard that sometimes congregations uh, st- are tempted to stay away uh, when the ra- rector is away on sabbatical. Now, I've never taken a sabbatical before. I'm sure that would not happen here. Uh, but, uh, but just in case, I want you to have fixed in your heart and mind the joy of the church at its best, both for you and through you. Because you are the church. You're the church. And, and if you ask me a bunch of first-round picks, uh, uh, 
And this church is going to continue to grow and thrive throughout the summer because the Holy Spirit is going to keep working in you and through you. There is no telling what the Spirit is going to do through us all when I get back rested and you uh, are incredibly energized. Now, if you remember last week uh, in Acts, we saw 3,000 people who listened to Peter. They were cut to the heart after Peter's sermon. They heard his proclamation. They responded with repentance. They received the promises of forgiveness, and they received the Holy Spirit. And this week, we hear from uh, the book of Acts a description of the life of this earliest Christian church, the markers of the Holy Spirit's work in them. The the first verse in this passage, very famous, Acts 2.42, and it says that these new believers, those who had been baptized, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And then the passage says that they lived that out in such a way that none of them lacked anything. So we might say it like this. This will be our structure for the word this morning. They were a learning church. They were a loving church. They were a worshiping church. They were a welcoming church. So learning, loving, worshiping, welcoming. And before we look at that, I just want to say that this is not a to-do list. Like, you already have a to-do list, don't you? This is uh, not to say that these new disciples felt bad about crucifying Jesus, and so they did some of these things so God wouldn't get mad at them again. And so should you. That's not what this is saying. As the Holy Spirit works in a church, a collection of faithful individuals, this is a description of what happens naturally. They devoted themselves to these things. It just sprung out of their hearts. And of course, we, we as a parish will always have room for improvement, but you're going to recognize some of these things in our parish already. So learning, loving, worshiping, and welcoming. So first, they were a learning church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, these were just regular working class people, but the Holy Spirit aroused in them a ravenous intellectual curiosity. It was, there was no sense in which they couldn't understand it. There was no way that like, it just didn't make sense to them or that they would just leave it to the scholars. Right? On the contrary, they were hungry for instruction. You know, the football players who were drafted this weekend... They will be eager to study and learn their playbooks so that they will know what to do when game time rolls around. And the disciples were kind of like the same way, right? They were eager to learn more about this amazing Messiah, Jesus. They wanted to know how he fulfilled their scripture. They wanted to hear his teaching. They wanted to understand the forgiveness Uh, that Peter had told them about. They wanted to see what sort of difference Jesus' teaching could make in their own lives. And they weren't just going to pull all that out of the air, make it up themselves. They sat 
humbly, earnestly, regularly at the feet of those who had sat at the feet of Jesus. And I want you to notice, too, that it doesn't say, and the crowds flocked to Peter, but Bartholomew wasn't that good of a teacher. It doesn't say that they really liked James, but they didn't really like John that much, right? It was, they were not devoted to the apostles themselves. It was the apostles' teaching that captured their hearts. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. It was not a burden. It was not a chore. It was like water for thirsty souls. And I am sure that because the Holy Spirit was involved, they came to see that the apostles' teaching was not just a means for them to know about Jesus, but in fact was the means to know Jesus. And it's the same for us. And lucky for us, the apostles' teaching has been preserved. It's the New Testament. The Bible is for us the means by which God speaks to us and the means by which we carry on this devotion. When the Spirit of God works in the people of God, they hunger for the Word of God so that they can know the Son of God. And just like for them, for us it is not a burden. It's not a chore. It is like water for thirsty souls. It calms your mind. It gives you perspective. It reminds you of the promises. It restores your hope. It proclaims God's grace to you again. <coughs> and whether, so whether like you're just working your daily routine or whether you're off on vacation or whether you're in a really good season in your life or whether you're in a tough season or whether you're young or whether you used to be young, you know, the Bible is God's gift to you, so that you may know him who loves you more than you can imagine. It is so amazing that we have a God who speaks, who's given us his word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They studied it. They were a learning church. And they were a loving church. They devoted themselves to fellowship. And this is not just hanging out together. Because remember, the Holy Spirit is involved. This is the gathering of those who love the Lord like you do. This is the gathering of those who want to engage the apostles' teaching like you do. This is the gathering of those who want to serve God and to uh, alleviate suffering like you do. Whatever the activity is, even if it is just hanging out, there is something intrinsically deeper uh, that is shared between you when the Holy Spirit is involved. Remember last week we said that there are no instances in the entire New Testament where a Christian grows in their faith apart from the church, apart from Christian community. These early Christians learned quickly that they got to know Jesus better when they were together. Right? So they devoted themselves to it. They devoted themselves to fellowship. And again, not because they had to. There was such joy in their newfound faith that they were eager to share it with one another. Do you have that kind of joy? Because you can. 
and look at the generosity that it bred. I mean, if one of them had a loaf of bread, they all had a loaf of bread. If one of them had a dollar, they all had a dollar. This is not prescriptive. It's just the fruit of the Holy Spirit working joyfully and generously among these people. Now, I ought to tell you, I think our parish does a pretty dang good job of fellowship. There, there is a lot of love here, and there's a lot of generosity here. And this summer, while I'm gone, just about every Sunday after church, there is going to be a fellowship opportunity. Uh, we might have food trucks who are here to serve brunch. We might have a water slide bouncy house for the kids. We might have uh, an opportunity to learn more about the history of the church uh, and take a tour of the windows. It's just lots of different things that we're uh, planning and thinking about. And I want to encourage you to linger after the service, right? To take advantage of the opportunities for fellowship and just enjoy each other. Get to know others in the pews. Welcome new faces joyfully and you will experience Christ. You will. These early disciples devoted themselves to fellowship. They were a loving church. So learning, loving, and worshiping. They're a worshiping church. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And it shouldn't really surprise us, I think, that as they were sitting under the apostles' teaching, and as they were experiencing the intimacy of Christian fellowship, the result of that was just worship. Worship. Now, the breaking of bread probably was like an early form of the Eucharist. It was taken in the context of a fellowship meal. They remembered that Jesus had broken bread with the disciples on the night before he died. And he said, whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so they did. And they remembered that uh, on the night after the resurrection, that the disciples on the road to Emmaus recognized Jesus when he broke the bread with them at the table. Even in the earliest church, there was quickly a liturgical understanding that Jesus was somehow known and experienced in the breaking of the bread. And of course, their Jewish heritage was deeply rooted in both public and private prayer. Scripted prayers, not unlike what we do uh, out of our prayer book, uh, or for them, like the Psalms. Psalms is like the original prayer book. Or extemporaneous prayers, straight from their hearts. And so they met in the temple, and they met in each other's private homes. They broke bread, and they, they prayed their prayers. And those, those two things quickly became linked, the breaking of bread and the prayers, uh, so that it was the regular practice of the earliest Christian church, and they were devoted to it. Not, they, they, they were devoted to experiencing Christ in the breaking of the bread and speaking to Christ and having him speak to them in the prayers. And they welcomed every opportunity they had to gather together to worship the Lord, to sing praises, to tell the Lord they loved him. They were grateful for his grace. So this summer, I just want to encourage you. I can't encourage you enough. Be here every week that you're in town, right? Because, I mean, not only do you need the church, the church needs you and your talents and your joy and your experience of the Lord is a blessing and an encouragement to others just like they are to you. So they were a learning church, 
a loving church, a worshiping church, and finally they were a welcoming church. The Lord added daily, day by day, to the number uh, of those who were saved. The church was growing. Uh, There were new believers all the time. Uh, Those who came in were treated like family. They were integrated quickly into the learning, loving, worshiping community. Why, though? Why did they come? What was so attractive about this new church? And I think it was, it was that there was such effusive joy, such glad, multicultural togetherness, such unusual generosity. They had never seen anything like it, and they wanted more of it, right? These, these, these people were religious and happy. They were moral and they were wildly free. They had never seen anything like that. Because they had never seen the Holy Spirit alive in a community like that. And it was so attractive. Because it was so welcoming. Earlier this year at the annual meeting in January, I said to those who were there that that the staff, and I wanted to give it to the Uh, to the congregation as well, that we have a goal of welcoming 20 new households into the church this year. And that seemed like like a big goal. And we are about a third of the way through the year, and we are about a third of the way through our goal. It's happening. And there is no reason why that can't continue throughout the summer, because they're not coming to hear me, they're coming to be a part of you. And over and over again, what I hear, and it's not going to be any surprise to you, but over and over what I hear from these folks that coming in is they feel so warmly welcomed. The church is a collection of individuals, but it is so much greater than the sum of its parts. And you are an important part of that. We were made to be together. We were made to grow together, to need each other. And that need is not paused while the rector's away, right? It may, in fact, increase just a little bit. So I want you to, I'm asking you to set your heart and mind right now that your love for the Lord is going to bring you here each week that you're in town to Church of Our Savior. And you're going to be on the team. You're going to be a contributor and a recipient of this learning, loving, worshiping, welcoming fellowship. And you are going to see afresh both as contributor and as a recipient, how the church is one of the primary ways that God blesses his people. Don't miss it. Amen.